Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Aaron. I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> I, uh... I've been sober since July 14th, 2003. Um, due to Alcoholics Anonymous sponsorship, a God that was, I don't know, I was running away from and actions that I didn't necessarily believe in. My life has miraculously gotten better here. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's funny, you know, so <clears throat> people that I hear typically like, you either have a really funny speaker, you have a real serious speaker, you have a, you know, really sad speaker or whatever. And my, honestly, I'm not, I'm just not that funny. So I apologize, everybody that's kind of looking for a laugh tonight. I, uh, I have this problem. I, I take myself way too seriously. And, uh, I just, uh, I get nervous. You know, I'm, is anybody else as nervous as I am up here? I, I tell you, like, I'm uh I'm standing up here thinking about all the things that I should say and then I know that uh I just got to take a second and get quiet and let let the guy do the work who's going to do the work, you know. Um I uh little bit about me. I've so said I'm from Seattle. I was here for like 8 months. I've since moved to San Francisco, uh south of San Francisco. People from San Francisco don't like being said that I'm from San Francisco when I live like closer to San Jose. They're just, they're weird like that. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. There's all this city pride. I'm trying to figure it out. People in AA meetings are like, wait, where are you really from? And I'm like, okay, it just, you know, it gets confusing. And then before that I was in New York. And then before that I was in Arkansas. And so I've been a pinball in Alcoholics Anonymous around the country. And just so everybody knows, there's enough people around the world in Alcoholics Anonymous that will tell me to sh- sh- shut up and sit down and listen to the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is what saved my bacon all the way through, um, all the way through all those transitions, because it isn't easy, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where we are. The other thing that I want to say is, you know, <clears throat> the guy that, is probably sitting there, guy or girl that's sitting there that didn't raise their hand, that's probably newly sober, that came to this meeting because they didn't really know where else to go. That's what I did. But I didn't raise my hand and I didn't talk to anybody for a little period of time and I realized that I'd missed out on a great opportunity. So the fact of the matter that I'm wearing a suit or I'm wearing a tie and a coat right now, there's not much distance between me and you. And what I'm going to try to do is share with you my journey in Alcoholics Anonymous is exactly how I got to have a life beyond my wildest dreams, despite what I think about it or how I feel about it, the actions that have been instilled in me in Alcoholics Anonymous that have enabled me to do things that I never thought were really going to be possible. Um, So, needless to say, I was really grateful. I had to come up here and kind of like get some things finished up for where I was living and whatnot. And um, there was no rain. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like no rain in January. It's like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't expecting it. So I had the raincoat and the umbrella. You can tell I'm not from here because people from here don't carry umbrellas. 
you know, I, I got that lesson when I first got here. It's like, no, you don't carry an umbrella. You just get a jacket with a hood on it, and you, like, go on without your day. And you go from there, you get waterproof shoes, and that's how you do things. But um, I came in, and I saw all the mountains, and I just, I thought, man, you guys are lucky here. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful when it's not raining. So the two days out of the year that you guys don't get rain, it's, it's really quite pretty. Um, no. So... What I'm going to try to do is share with you how I came into a conscious contact with God and how my life has changed as a result of that. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what kind of guy I was. Um, you know, I was, I always had like a nervous disposition. You know, like I was always worried about what somebody was going to say or what somebody was going to think or, you know, like, why doesn't she like me? Why don't I wear the right clothes? What's wrong with me? I got to have that girl. I can't be, I can't be friends with these guys. I got to be friends with these guys. And my, for whatever reason, my head used to always spin like crazy. I don't, I don't know if that makes me an alcoholic or what the deal is, but I just, I was always worrying. Like I used to go to bed at night laying on my back because I like told myself that if somebody came in and stabbed me, it would like bounce off my belly versus go straight through my back. Like I'm just a crazy kid. I don't I don't understand why it just is, you know. And I have this idea, you know, when I'm you know young, and I decided, hey, it's a good idea. Maybe we'll try these beers because you know that when you see the grown ups drink, there's just like this awe about them. It's like. I just, it's like they're in the Gatsby movie, you know, it's like they're having fun, they're laughing at things that aren't funny, they're like, everybody's getting along, and I'm like, God, I want to do that, because I hate how I feel right now. I literally don't like it. I'm always trying to impress people, I'm always trying to do different things, you know, like, I'm the class clown when I need to be, I'm the class bully when I need to be, I'm like, Rico, try to be Rico Suave when I need to be, you know, it's just... Like, and nothing ever lasted, and nothing ever worked. And I tried this, I stole these beers out of the refrigerator, and me and my buddy snuck out of the house, and I'm originally from Fargo, North Dakota, and so we were in the middle of a field somewhere, and we cracked those beers, and I drank my beer, and when I drank mine, about half of it disappeared, and my buddy spit his right out. And I remember after I drank those couple beers, this warm sensation. It sucked going down. I hated it. But I had known that it was going to do something for me because I'd watched it do something for other people along, like a, a lot in my life. And so I drank that and I just, I, I can, I can, I mean, I, as sure as I am here today, I can stand in that field and look up at those stars and remember to myself, it finally fits. It finally fits. I'm no longer worried. I'm no longer scared. I'm right where I need to be. I literally would equate that to the first thing that I've ever had as a spiritual experience. I mean, it was like I had an out-of-body experience. I was finally, I didn't care the girl didn't like me. I didn't care those guys didn't like me. I didn't care that I wasn't the coolest. I didn't care I wasn't the best looking. I didn't care any of that stuff. All I wanted to do from that point forward was feel that way as much as possible. I loved it. Every minute of it. 
I then proceed, you know, like when you're in seventh grade, you can't get drunk every single day. You still got to go to elementary school, you know, so it's like, <clears throat> so, you know, but it, it left a, it left something for me, you know, and my buddy, like who spit it out, didn't want his. So of course I drank his and, you know, I just, I couldn't, I never understood, like, I never understood how he didn't have the same reaction that I had, you know, and. I, that that began my drinking career. I I had a great time. I love drinking. I mean, I'm I am not. I mean, I'm I'm above average intelligence. Like I'm just I'm street smart. I'm not a dumb person. You know what I mean? Like I I'm just I'm not. It did something for me. It changed me. It gave me the ability to deal with life. It gave me the ability to engage with people. It gave me the hope and the and and the idea that my life was going to work out. Like, you ever have those days when you were drinking, and all of a sudden it's like the worst day ever? You know, before you had a drink, you wake up, you go to work, somebody yells at you, they don't want anything to do with you, they tell you you're horrible at what you're doing, why do you even get out of bed? This doesn't even make sense. And you go and you have a couple drinks at the bar, and you're sitting on the bar stool, and you're talking to people, and all of a sudden I'm a millionaire. I mean, I got all the money in the world. I'm going to make every decision in the world. I know exactly how it's going to work. I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to work. And I build this life up in these, in these moments with these guys, my road dogs, the guys that would die for me. You know, the guys that, the guys that love me so much, they would bail me out of jail. They would do all these things for me. That's what my head would tell me. And we would create these, realities while we were sitting in the bar of all these great things that were going to take place and then wake up the next morning and not remember any of it you know it was funny you know it was like i i used to i used to think that i drank to find solutions to my problems and then when i would wake up it was like all the old problems were still there plus like four more you know it was like it just never went away i i i i'm telling you like I drank for effect. You ever have, like, I was the guy, I drank for fun, I drank for mad, I drank for sad, I drank for any emotion that, I drank for boredom. I drank for sheer, like, just wanting to fit in with everybody else. And then little by slow, things started to get removed from my life. You know, I was drinking all the time as much as I possibly could. I had a chance to have a D1 basketball scholarship, and all of a sudden, you know, cops show up at a party. They decide I'm not supposed to be drinking. School board says no more drinking. You're kicked off the basketball team. Basketball scholarship goes away. So the good guy that I am, I write this heartfelt letter about how it was a one-time mistake, and I swear I will never do it again, and I had the principal and the school board and a lawyer and my family and everybody sitting around a circle in a room and I read this letter crying. Would have passed a lie detector test saying I will never drink again. You know what, Aaron? We believe you. Tell you what, come back in five weeks and we'll tell you if we've reconsidered our decision. So on the fourth week, we're so close to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, it's like, it's like I'm already home. You know, like I'm close to it. It's like I've done good the first two weeks. I had a couple drinks the third week, but you know, the fourth week, have a couple of the boys over. Mom's going to a movie, 
have a couple of the boys over. We'll drink in the basement. We'll call it a day. Everything's going to be fine. The problem is I just don't have an off switch. So, like, I just go real fast. You know, like, I was going to, like, time it out. I don't know if anybody else had this experience, but I was going to time it out. You know, it's like one beer and then a shot and then chill for an hour. And then... One beer and maybe a shot, depending on how I was feeling. Because, you know, I, w- I hadn't really been drinking for three weeks, so I didn't really know. And after that beer and shot went down, I realized it'll be fine tonight. It'll, it's going to be okay. I'm going to have fun. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, bad breaks, misunderstandings, and people hating me. That's why I got caught that night, you know, I That's the story of my life, just a bad break, bad circumstance. This cop hated me. I'm like thoroughly convinced. I've made amends to him still, but um, I, yeah, he showed up at my door. There was four people in my house. He showed up at my door. Here's my smart idea. I turn off all the lights and I send my little brothers outside. (laughs) Just tell them you got a little crazy with the music. It'll be fine, you know, and so, you know, little, you know, you guys can figure the rest of the story out. There wasn't another meeting to reconsider the actions. You know what I mean? It was like it was all over. And So, you know, because Fargo, North Dakota had it out for me, the cops had it out for me, the school board had it out for me, my mom and dad didn't understand, nobody wanted to see Aaron kind of rise to what he was true potential. You know, it was time for a change of scenery, so I decided to move to Scottsdale, and I'm, you know, the basketball that was going so well for me, forget that, I'm going to try football, it's going to, you know, like, I just changed everything, I snapped it, like, forget the fact that anything is wrong with me, there's nothing wrong with me, it's the outside world and how you handle what I bring to you, that's the situation, and so I'm just going to change all of you, I'm going to change every single one of you, and I went down there, and all of a sudden I realized I ha- there's just no, I just, I don't, ha- I drink different. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. I drink like a pig. I mean, I go out with a good idea. I go, I'll go out on a date, and I'm having two or three drinks at dinner, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, 12 in, slurring my speech, going to the bathroom every three minutes, looking at her. She's dull. I'm like getting a fight with her so that I can go and have fun with these other guys. And then it's like, yeah, she just, she didn't understand, you know, like (laughs) she just didn't want to see Aaron's world the way Aaron's world was. And, you know, I drank for effect for a long period of time. I, um, I had a lot of fun. You know, I, I really did. I don't take back any of those days. I had a lot of fun. I, school didn't go very well. Uh, football didn't go very well. Um, my roommates all wanted to move out because I was going absolutely crazy coming home at 4 o'clock in the morning with random people screaming all the time. Um, so, you know, I thought my life was perfect. You know, all I needed to do was get a little bit more money. So what I decided to do was, like, go to some of the local markets pick up some of the local, you know, uh, crop and bring it across state lines. And, you know, I, I get to Nebraska and some guy pulls me over and he decides to, you know, search the car. And, you know, my, my life changed at that point in time. But, you know, my dad came and he bailed me out of there. It cost a lot of money to do that. I was in some serious trouble and, and, uh, he bailed me out of there and, you know, I went on, he, 
brought me home and I got to stay in his house, but, you know, they only found about half of what was really in there. And so, you know, I'm coming home, I'm drinking beers out of the refrigerator, I'm, I, you know, I'm getting high, I'm doing all the things, you know, I'm just partying in my dad's house. Meanwhile, I just got, like, taken out of jail, having no idea how serious this is whatsoever. And I go down for an, arra- in an arraignment, and the guy reads the five to 55 years in prison, and all of a sudden, I got a little nervous, you know? So I'm going to go on the run. And that's exactly what I did. I told my dad, you don't know me. There's nothing you, like, this is my life. Stay out of it. I'm doing my thing. Threw me out of the house. You know, like, I'm like a spoiled, I mean, little, I I never really thought this at the time, but I'm like a spoiled brat. I got a phone. I got a car. I got money. I I like, no, I've never really worked a day in my life. You know what I mean? And I got all this stuff. And so he chucks all my clothes in the middle of January in Minnesota out into the middle of the snow. And he said, get out. Get out of here. So I did. And I went rip-roaring into life like it wasn't even like I was invincible. Trying to prove everybody that my idea of what Aaron's plan was going to be was perfect. So what I proceeded to do was get drunk every single day for six months Waking up in the morning with these big grand designs of how exactly I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to get a car. I'm going to go out and get a job. I'm going to, you know, I'll call my folks just so they know that everything is going well. I'll do all these things just so they know that everything's going well. Get some money coming in so I can stop couch surfing and occasionally sleeping in the park. You know, like I'll I'll, I'll get all these things going so everybody sees that I'm doing really well, you know, and And that I'm convinced, I am like thoroughly convinced to do this. And I'm still feeling up about my life. Everything's going to be fine. Everything is fine. It's all good, right? And what starts to happen is I make that effort in the morning and something goes wrong and that thought comes across my mind. I can just do all this crap tomorrow. And then I would go out and I would drink and I would get so drunk, I would pee myself or puke myself, and I would come home, and I, you know, by that time, I, had, I have uh, exhausted all the relationships in my life, so nobody really wants me around. The girl broke up with me, my friends don't want me around, no, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trouble. Like, everywhere that I go, I'm like massively, I'm like, I'm just trouble. And uh, I used to sneak into this basement where my, where my buddies lived, and there was, it was like, it was concrete and there were like blankets that were, I just threw them up into the corner and it was damp. And it was like, literally this building was probably built in like 1930. And I swear the basement was never cleaned. There was like a bathroom down in the basement where there was like a dilapidated mirror up on the wall. There was the light that would flicker behind you. And there was a rickety sink that was sitting there. And I used to drink Till I would get physically so sick, I would wake up in the morning and I would go and I would look at that dilapidated mirror at the husk of a person that was like looking back at me and I would promise. I didn't want to quit forever. I just wanted to stop so that I could get my life back on track, right? And that started the process of slowly ripping away every piece of moral fiber that I had ever had inside myself. Because it's one thing for me to lie to everybody else. But like, who are you lying to when you're all by yourself? 
who was I sitting there trying to, I was so furious. I would look back at that dilapidated mirror and I would try to, that light flickering behind me and I'd grab both sides of those sink and I'd be dry heaving and I'd look up at that mirror and I'd say, I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to do, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be a good son. I'm going to be a good member of the community. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do all these things, right? And I just try to rip the sink out of the floor. I was so mad. And I would set out to do those things during the day. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like something doesn't go my way. The boys will call. I'll put that thought out my mind. Might as well just do this all over again. I don't know. You know, I had no idea what was going on. I was so scared because it was like I didn't even know who I was anymore. You know, like it it really freaked me out. So I had a, I had a bit of a mental breakdown. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever seen a grown man hit the floor and start screaming for his mom? That's exactly what I did. Like I, I tell you, it was kind of, it was actually, it's pretty funny now, but it was, it was sad then. Like I had a heart, it took me a long time to start laughing at this, but like I had shown up at some place that I wasn't wanted, you know, like you ever go to places and people look at you, you haven't showered in a while and they're like, why is he here? You can feel him whispering in the corners and like, you know, like I'm stealing beer out of the refrigerator and I'm drinking and all of a sudden it's like, it's not working. You know, I can't get the relief. I can't get my present circumstances out of my life. I can't get my brain to slow down. I'm getting physically wasted, and I cannot get the the awe, the feeling that it's going to be okay. I can't get the feeling. I just can't get the thoughts off me. Like, everything piled up so high, it just felt like it was too much to take on. It was over. It was, I just, like, I was thinking, man, if this doesn't work, let's just end it. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, like, I'm laying on the ground, I'm so physically drunk, you know, like, I can't, like, I just, I can't even get up, but I'm screaming at people to bring me more beers, because I just desperately want it to go away, go away, go away. I peed myself by this point. I'm, like, looking at people trying to make jokes of, like, how funny it is that I'm, like, peeing myself, and I wake up from that spot, and I'm, like, struck sober, and I, like, hit the ground crying. So here's a guy. 19 years old, hits the ground crying, pissed pants, puke all over him, screaming, I want my mommy. Like, I mean, it was, it was pretty comical. I think I scared the crap out of everybody in the room because it was like I just popped two. You know what I mean? It was like, it was crazy. And I was crying uncontrollably and I wanted my mom because that's what tough guys do. They want their mom whenever, whenever they get in trouble, you know, they want their mom. So I get to my mom's house. My mom looks at me and says, I, son, I, I think you're gone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think you're, I, I don't know what to do for you. Tell you what, mom, just get me a place. Let me get my, let me get my life right. She, she said, she said, you can't stay here. So what she did was she arranged for me to stay with a friend of mine, a friend of the family. So I stayed with their, that family for three days. Now, my poor family. I went crazy. Now, here's the problem. Drinking had gotten bad, but sober is untol- like you just can't tolerate it because I have this thing inside of me, right? The voice, the thing that tells you that life isn't okay. 
why why don't you have a job? You're never going to have a job. You're never going to drink again. Nobody's ever going to be your friend again. What are you going to do when you get married? You're not going to drink. You're not going to toast. Nobody's going to want to marry you. You can't get a job because nobody's going to drink with you. And if you don't drink with people, people aren't going to want to hang out with you. You pace, you smoke cigarettes, you're walking around outside. You're like, why is that person looking at me? I don't have the right clothes on. I haven't showered in a little bit. I need a haircut. This doesn't make sense. I don't know what I'm doing. If I would have gone left instead of right, if I would have gone here instead of there, if I would have stopped dating her and started dating her, my life would have been better. I wouldn't be here. Why am I here? It doesn't make sense. I'm uncomfortable. I'm hungry. I'm ripping through the cabinets. I don't understand why I can't get something to eat. So I'll just go to bed. If I go to bed, it'll go to it'll go away. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden when I go to bed, the volume gets turned all the way up. You're a loser. You're never going to amount to nothing. This doesn't make any sense. You're never going to get there. You know you're going to drink. It doesn't matter. Why even stop? You're just lying to people. Just cut it off and leave everybody alone. You know what? You should just go to prison. Turn yourself in. Raise your hand. Tell them it's over. It doesn't even make sense anymore. Why go on? Why go on? Get up. Smoke two more cigarettes. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? I don't understand. I don't understand. And then all of a sudden, that goes on for three days, and I'm bananas. I'm not sleeping. I'm nuts. I can't sit still. I'm pacing everywhere. My hands are going crazy. I don't know what is wrong with me. If this is sober, I don't want it. Take it someplace else because this just ain't for this guy. I got plans. (laughs) Right? That's the deal. I got plans. I got things to do. So, you know, like... I got there on a Wednesday. I stayed sober through Friday. Got some of my old buddies, the guys that weren't there at the end when I was like puking myself and stuff, the guys that I used to play basketball with, they called. They asked me, hey, you want to come out? We're having a barbecue. Pure sobriety is overrated. So I I said, you know what, 132 a Heineken. 132 Heineken will be okay. Let me tell you. I went to that barbecue. I had one, as soon as I, as soon as I made that decision that I was going to take that drink, my head shut off. Wasn't mad anymore. I went and I got that 132 Heineken. I had a great evening. I drank, I nursed it over an hour and a half. It was, took discipline, but I did it. And I had a great time. I met a young, lovely young lady. We spent the evening together. This is what my new life is going to be. It's going to be perfect. It'll be fine. Went home, slept great. Woke up the next morning. Friday went so well. Let's do it Saturday. 2.32 is a Heineken. Did the same thing, had a great time, met the same nice young lady, had a great evening. Everything was perfect. Guys were hanging out. You know, it's like the good old days came back. Sunday, Sunday is just a barbecue. And Monday, Monday, we're really, you know, Monday's the day. You know, Monday is the day. So it's like, let's go and do this again. I don't want to push it beyond two because, you know, I just don't want to get too greedy. I want to, like, live in this lifestyle now. And so... I drank two thirty-twos of Heineken in about 45 minutes, and I scavenged the medicine cabinets just to, for something to take the edge off because, you know, it's like pills were never really my problem. So it, it's totally fine. I just don't want to get weird. I started getting, like, itchy. You ever get that feeling? It's like it's just not enough in the engine to get it going, you know? It's like I'm just a car that won't start, you know? It's like everything's there, but it's just like I just don't have any gas. 
So, you know, Monday's the day. Now, back in the day, if I was up, showered, and out of the house before noon, that meant it was going to be a good day. So I wake up at 11.30, I get showered, and I'm like out the door at like 11.59. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to change my life. So I go to the local convenience store because like really at the end of the day, I should be able to get a job at the convenience store. I thought very highly of myself, and, you know, I was just you know, wanted to make sure that I could get this job. I, I, this fear of rejection because I was convinced the world was out to get me. And so I went out there and I got, you know, I interviewed with this guy and he started asking some hard questions like, where have you been the last two years? That's not a fair interview question. You know, if I Google your name, what's going to come up? That's really not a fair question. You know, and uh, Fargo was a small place, so people had an idea of what kind of trouble I was in. But this guy, like, shined me on for two hours, and then he decided to come back and say, you know what, we don't have a job for you. So, same thought crossed my mind. I'll just do this tomorrow. 18-pack of Coors Light, gram of cocaine up my nose. I come to in the middle of the living room beating the brakes off somebody. I mean, blood everywhere, people screaming, no idea how I got in there, scared me so bad, scared me. I mean, like literally, I mean, I was just covered in blood, no idea how I got in there, just thought I was going to have a couple pops with the guys and call it a day, just kind of like, you know, brush off a bad day. So for the first time in my life, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, I have no idea how I got in here, none whatsoever. And it was like... Right after I said that, all of a sudden these crazy things started to happen in my life. I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. It's like I told the truth. All of a sudden it's like everybody swarmed in to help Aaron. It's like, okay, here we go. We're going to do this. I mean, I was beat down. I was just ready to kill myself because at the end of the day, everything that I'd ever thrown at this problem was of no avail. I couldn't get there. I could never get across the finish line. I couldn't even, towards the end, I couldn't even get anything that resembled anything like progress. Those three days were the best that I was going to do. And if that, if those three days were what was in store for me, no thank you. You know, and I went and I got some help and I got separated from alcohol for the last time. And all of a sudden I'm arguing with like professionals about all this stuff and how I'm so different. And then <clears throat> this dude came in and he like told my story. You know, and I engaged for the first time in my life in what Alcoholics Anonymous was. My life was over. I had nothing. I was still on the run from that drug charge. And I was running around doing all this stuff. And here I am in this treatment center. Nobody understands who I am and what I'm doing. And I got all this stuff figured out. I drink like this because of the circumstances in my life. You people just figure out how to leave me alone, and I'm going to be fine. You don't understand that? This guy came in. He split me right between the eyes. You drink because you don't know why you drink. You drink for no matter what reason. You ever have that feeling where your head spins? See, we laugh about it here. Like, you know, you talk about how your head talks at you. Before, I literally was afraid to tell people that because I thought it was virtually, I might be insane. I never really realized that, like, you can have multiple voices inside your head at one time telling you to do a multitude of irrational things in your life. 
You know, like, I mean, you open your mouth like that in a psychiatrist's office and all of a sudden it's like, yo, we need to get some medicine on this guy. You know, this guy, this guy talked about that. He shared about what was really going on and it planted the seed. And I went to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and I saw a bunch of people that looked, it it scared me because it's like they're having fun that, you know, everything's fun. He's smiling and, you know, it's all fun. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, I don't fit here. This doesn't make any sense. And then people talk and it's like, God, this stuff kind of makes sense. It's a little hocus pocus, but it makes sense. You know, when I listen to this guy and, you know, lo and behold, I like, you know, I start to see people that I'm with start to get better. They start to, life starts to get better. You know, they start graduating from these places and their parents buy them BMW X5s. And I'm like, God, I want to get in this program. So I want to like, you know, like I'm going to get everything right. Like, isn't that right? Like sobriety's cash and prizes. That's what I'm being told. You know, it's like, this is how I'm going to get a good job. This is how my life is going to work. Everything is going to be perfect. And all of a sudden I meet this guy and I ask him to go have coffee and I sit down with him and I had a problem because he's laughing. We're, we're exchanging kind of like, you know, what it was like and what we came from, but there was a difference. This guy had a ring on his finger. He drove a nice car and he had three kids and then his he had a house and a job, and I'm staying in a place that I'm lucky to have a bed at. And, you know, listen, if you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous and you don't want to stay here, don't ask this question. We were talking for like half an hour, talking, 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 just, you know, like, I mean, about the good old days, you know, it was like, it was a lot of fun, to be honest, reminiscing and everything else, and then, you know, something took a little bit of a turn. He just said, yeah, until... Till my luck ran out, and it was like no matter what I did, my life just seemed to become more of a mess. And I, I like got that. And I looked at him, and this is what you don't ask. What did you do to change? (laughs) I've never seen somebody smile so big in my life. Scared me. That's what I'm here to show you. And I was like, oh man, close that door. Um, And he said, you know what? Do something for me. Prove me wrong. Do everything that I ask you to do and tell me your life doesn't objectively get better. And so that's what I did. I was a pain in the butt in Alcoholics Anonymous, coming around here, telling everybody what was wrong, why it was wrong, what they weren't doing right, how they should do and live their life differently about two, three, four months sober. And I would call this guy and I'd tell him about all the problems that I was having. You know, the court cases are here. It's so complex. The girlfriend problems are here. My family doesn't love me. This doesn't make any sense. I'm going to die. Blah, 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 blah. I know I just have some terminal disease. I mean, it was like all these times I would call him up and I would just lay it out every single time about everything that was wrong. And he would just go, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he would say, Aaron, There's a solution here for you in Alcoholics Anonymous. If you can focus on putting your energy and effort into these actions that I'm asking you to do, these other things will get better. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Go to a meeting of AA. I got a court case. Go to a meeting of AA. I got problems with my girlfriend. Do the steps. My family doesn't like me. Do the steps. My, you know, like, I'm in trouble with these guys because they don't really like me in the treatment center. Pray. Like, it it doesn't make sense. It's like, (laughs) my solution in to life is, it's what I've been taught my entire life. If I have a problem, try harder, do more, get there. No matter what, 
try harder, do more, and you will conquer whatever whatever problem is in front of you, you will conquer it. That is what has been embedded in me in my entire life. And this guy put up with so much crap. And I did a fourth and a fifth step with him, knowing that it wasn't going to work. And, like, it just changed. Changed. I, like, went through the motions. Like, third step, yep, whatever. Something's up there. Sure. You know, and, yeah, obviously I have a problem with drinking, and obviously my life is unmanageable. I got, I mean, when you're new, it's fun because you, like, you know, it's easy to, like, point out the things that are, like, massively unmanageable. But the fact of the matter is, is, like, if somebody looked at me incorrectly, I would, like, go on a tailspin for weeks. You know, it was like, that's how fragile I was. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, this guy put up with so much stuff, and I did that fourth and fifth step, and it's like this light. I mean, literally, the lights just came on in my life. God meant something to me. Life changed. The meetings that I was going to and the people that I was, like, I was harassing all of a sudden, like, started to mean something to me. Alcoholics Anonymous started to mean something to me. I realized that, you know, all these court cases and everything else was going to be there. It's like, all right, I got it. Ready for the cash and prizes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ready for, I'm ready for life to matter. Like, I'm ready to take it all on. Like, all these people and everything else is going on in their lives. And I'm like, really little by slow going to a meeting every day, washing dishes. Listen, washing dishes in a place that served eggs in pans. And so, like, I would be sitting scrubbing those egg pans, saying the third step prayer, like, 50 times, like, just please, please get me out of here. Like, you know, I would just, I mean, everything, going to like two, three meetings a day, going nuts, you know, like these court cases coming at me, like it just doesn't make any sense. I'm ready for the cash and prizes. Let it come. Let it come. You know, and I would call them with new sets of problems and new sets of circumstances, and I would say, this just doesn't make any sense. Why does this not make any sense? My life is supposed to be getting better. And then six months at sobriety, you know, I get a phone call. It's like, my brother dies. You know, the day after we put him, we buried my brother. God rest his soul. I don't talk about this a lot, but the day after we buried him, you know, like I get indicted on another felony charge. Two weeks after that, I get sentenced on the first felony charge and I have to go sit in jail for a little bit of time. And where's the cash and prizes? I don't understand. New sobriety. Guys that are new in sobriety, let me tell you something. The gift's in the struggle. The gift is in the struggle. Because what are a set of principles if they don't withstand during challenging times? What's a fellowship if they don't withstand during challenging times? Listen, I went, I went to my brother's funeral. One guy showed up. It was a guy that I met in AA. None of my buddies that were sitting at those, at that, you know, those parties talking about how great life was going to be showed. He showed. I went to court the next day. About four guys from AA showed up for me there. Right? I went to jail for 90 days. And they wrote, they read me letters. They, Alcoholics Anonymous wrote me letters every single day. None of those guys wrote me letters, you know. It's funny, you know, like 
come in here, you got an idea of what you want your life to be. I uh, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. I've, I had a girlfriend. You know, I was determined to get her back, wanted her back so bad. I was planning everything in my life around it. You know, even through the jail and through everything else, that was going to be my prize. You know, like, I don't know if anybody else had this experience. You, like, hold on to, like, one thing. One thing's going to be mine. And, uh, you know, I just, I can even put myself in the place where she came and she finally came back. And I remember looking back at her and saying, I don't want this anymore. Thank you. And walking away. Alcoholics Anonymous, like, fundamentally changed the wiring inside of me. Like, I actually didn't change, I want to take that back. Alcoholics Anonymous didn't change the wiring inside of me. It gave me a new circuit to live on, right? Because that beast is still in there. Ask some people that cross me every once in a while. It's like this guy, like, I'll just come out of nowhere. And it's like, wait, you're normally a nice guy. Now all of a sudden you, like, freak out. And it's like, people want to know why you're freaking out. It's like, well, you know, it's not all the way gone. I still make a lot of mistakes, you know. Like, it's not perfect. Still sponsored. Make men's on a regular basis. It's the way that it goes. You know, but I signed up for a life here, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous. I started doing this thing. I started learning what it was to, like, give back. I found purpose. Like, my soul finally filled up. I did steps. I made amends, you know. I'll tell you a couple of amends stories. You know, it's like cash and prizes. Like, that's the deal. Nobody wants to cut the checks. You know, it's like my sponsor's, like, notorious for this. You pay back all the money. I hate that. So stupid. If anybody ever tells you they like are really excited to cut that last check, they just know because it's the last time they got to dip into their own money to pay other people the money you stole from them. I mean, like, it, you know, it's it's this bittersweet thing. But I got a funny story. You know, I <clears throat> my father and my mother both loved me very much. They were great people, and um, you know, there was a I was when I came in. I mean, I was really a mess. I told the abbreviated version, but I had a bunch of people that were trying to kill me. Some Mexican mafia guys that were trying to kill me, and um, so I got a phone call at this treatment center that nobody like really knew where I was at, and they said, "Hey, we're going to hurt your family. We're going to hurt your brothers if you don't pay this money back." And I was like, "All right, I got to go back. I got to go back, and I got to take this, take care of this once and for all." My dad was like, "No, I'm going to go and pay all these guys." So like, my dad goes into these drug dens and is like cutting checks and like laying cash out for these guys. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know why he did it. But anyway, so he he's doing this stuff, and uh, so you know, I get sober for a while, and it was a lot of money. You know what I mean? A lot of money for a guy like me and who has nothing. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, I finally put some pennies in the bank and I was like, you know, I owe these guys, these men, this money. And I like had made multiple attempts to like make payments and all that stuff. And my dad and my mom were like, no, you know, your life isn't good. So I'd finally gotten situated where I was like, go and pay that money. So I go to my mother and they split it. So I go to my mother and I give her the check and she's like, okay, thanks. And she just like took it. No problem. I go to my dad. My dad's like, no, 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 son, you take it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, you know, I call my sponsor and my dad's like, I don't have to pay him. He's like, you just leave the check. So I said to him, I said, listen, dad, I'm just going to leave this check for you. If you decide you want to cash it, I'll make sure there's there's balance in there that can handle withdrawal and everything will be fine. No, I don't want it, Aaron. I really don't want it. The next morning at 6 a.m., 
Now, my family normally doesn't get up this early. Okay, this is like really out of the blue. And he's got he's so excited. He goes, you know, I started thinking about that money. And if it's really okay, I'm going to cash that check. And, you know, I just started thinking of the things that I could do with it and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, Dad, you can, you can have that money. Eight o'clock in the morning, that cash was, he deposited that check. <laughs> you know, something changed between me and my father at that point in time. It wasn't, it's funny because it's still very much father-son, but it's no longer dependent son. And so now it's like there's the air is really clear. Like, how do you know if something's on you, if nothing, if you've never experienced it off you? You know? So I made that amends. It was crazy. It was just, it was, it was one of the most surreal things. I don't know. It's probably not very big to anybody else, but I just like God moving in that space. You know, it's, it's crazy. I talk about a little bit about, you know, so I got sober and then, you know, I decided I really struggled with this when I first got sober. It was like I just had these jobs like mowing lawns and like, you know, cleaning dishes and stuff like that. And everybody else that got the X-5s and like went to school and like went to take over the world ended up drunk. And I was this guy who was just like ground into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was going to so many meetings. I mean, I was like, I was in a, I was you ever have those obnoxious friends that are like, let's go to a meeting, let's go to a meeting, let's do this. There's this and this and this and this. I was that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I was the guy that, like, anybody need a ride anywhere, just call Aaron. You know, it's like, I mean, literally, it was like, whatever came up, I wanted to be there and I wanted to be in the center of it. And uh, I struggled with the idea of, like, trying to, like, should I, like, push myself? Am I going to get greedy if I want to go to school? Am I going to get greedy if I want to do these things? And my life, as a result of doing the steps and, like, walking through that fear, you know, like, my life has taken on, like, crazy meaning, right? Because I've been, I've lived in, like, 10 different places throughout the course of my sobriety. I've got to meet some really cool people, and I've got to do some amazing things in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's nuts, you know, it's it, you get to sponsor people, you get to do things. Like if you buy in to Alcoholics Anonymous, like I bought into Alcoholics Anonymous, all the other stuff works out. Everything works out. Like you take a guy that was like not capable of going on like two dates with the same woman and you like get him married to the most wonderful person in the world. It, it's like it's not of myself. You take a two-time felon and you put him in corporate America and all of a sudden watch, watch him excel. It's not of myself. But those aren't the things, like, I don't want to get hung up on that because everybody's circumstances are different. The thing that I want to say that, that's been, that my experience has shown me is that nothing in Alcoholics Anonymous is impossible. That God is big enough for all of it. It's just how much am I willing to trust that God is going to take care of it? How much am I willing to put myself in the wheelbarrow day in and day out, shake the new guy's hands, get to know people again, get a commitment at, at a home group, get a commitment in an H&I in, you know, committee, listen to my sponsor, even though that I'm convinced the man is wrong. You know, does my life 
stay on this path. It's funny, I, you know, like, you get sober for a little bit, you know, you do this thing, and the less you know. But, you know, from the guy that was sitting in the spot where it was like I used to sit there afraid for anybody to talk to me. I used to sit there convinced that I was different than everybody else. Little circumstances, little, like, just family stuff, little financial stuff, little material world. Those things would always separate me from everybody else. I hated people. I did. I hated people. And I stuck out my hand, and even though I hated people and I couldn't remember people's names... I started doing it, and I started to feel better. I don't know. I, I like you know these actions in Alcoholics Anonymous. They don't change. You know, it's funny. I've uh, <clears throat> I went through a period of time. I moved out to Seattle. Actually, when I moved out to Seattle, I had a really hard time. So I was uh, I was um, I was in New York City, and I was going to a ton of meetings, going to Rikers Island every other weekend, like big, big meeting, like meeting like this every night of the week, having a good time. Came out here, AA's different, rain's terrible, nobody likes me, it doesn't make sense, it's not going to work, why does this, you know, this doesn't even make sense anymore. And I just, I just went, I just showed up. Man, if anybody understands the battle of your head, let me tell you, I do. But mine is trying to kill me. I don't know why, it just is. I want to, um, it's funny because the other thing that I, um, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about like what it means to be alcoholic, right? Like a lot of times, like we come in and like everybody clings to those circumstances and they want to know like what it is. Like just give me a clear definition if I am or if I'm not. I'm working with a guy right now and all he wants to know is whether or not he is or he isn't. I just want to read this. Characteristics of the so Now this is from Daily Reflection. So for all of you purists out there, it's conference approved. So if you want to, if you want to burn me at the stake later, please feel free to do that. Um, characteristics of the so-called typical alcoholic is a narcissistic, egocentric core dominated by feelings of omnipotence, uh, intent on maintaining at all costs its integrity. Inwardly, the alcoholic brooks no control from man or God. The alcoholic is and must be the master of his destiny. He will fight to the end to preserve the position. What's my job? Surrender to that. I, When I am in control of my life, all of those things are in motion. I'm narcissistic. I'm egocentric. And my way is the only way that it's going to work. I got time for this story. It's going on right now, so it's super current. I love it like, you know... I always tell my sponsor he never like shares like what his current things are, current things are from when he talks. So I'm going to do it. Maybe he'll get the tape and not love it, but you know, needless to say. <clears throat> but uh, we just moved to San Francisco or South Bay, and we've been we're staying in temporary housing, and I hate it. And we were supposed to get into our place, but there was rain. There was rain that came there. So just so you guys know, in California, they don't build places like here. They build it as if it's never going to rain there. 
and the rain came in, and there was about two inches on top of the ceiling, and um, and so it like demol, you know, they've got to go in and repair it all, and so they're we're trying to put together like the plans for the next two weeks, and great opportunity for me to like take control of the situation and like get in there and start ripping people around, you know, like that's that's what I'm good at, so I like get in there and start moving all the pieces around. And I'm like so narcissistic about, I just can't stop thinking about it. Well, if we did this and we did that and we're going to go here and we're going to do this. And if anybody has a suggestion to make about it, it's not good enough. No, 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 no. It's got to be this way. Yet I can't even make up my mind on which way it's going to go. And if it isn't my own destiny, then it's not the right way to do things. So yet I'm in direct conflict with the apartment building who is only trying to help, my wife who is only trying to help, the movers who are only trying to help, and the temporary housing who are only trying to help. And I've got this just storm convinced that it's never going to work out and we're not going to have any place to live. And why am I even here? And I run out of so much steam. I mean, I'm running full speed ahead of we should just move back to Seattle. It doesn't even make sense to be here anymore. You know? And I come to that place after I like run out of like run out of steam and I call my sponsor and he laughs at me for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, he reminds me that when I'm in control slash entitled, I'm in direct conflict with the grace and the power that is here. You know, I <clears throat> people want to know why people stay. 25 years, 30, 40, 50 years going around all over the place. A, because that stuff still happens. But B... What if somebody wasn't there to talk to me? What if nobody thought it was their job to stick their hand out and talk to me? It's funny because sometimes we can get so methodical in the steps and in the readings. This is what it says right here. But it's a real experience that nobody can argue with. Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life. You can't take that away from me. Maybe I read the book different. Maybe I have opinions different. But that's the core. That is the core of what holds us all together. And the hope that whoever's out there in whatever grip can get help too. It's not my job to be judge, jury, and executioner. It's my job to be an instrument. Sometimes that's pointing somebody else to a different place. And sometimes that's being inconvenienced in my life, just as I inconvenienced that man multiple times and still inconvenienced people. I believe the heroes in Alcoholics Anonymous that are mine are the guys that show me that ethic on a daily basis. They believe it to their core. I love AA. We have fun here. New guy, you see these everybody laughing about all these things that were going on and like laughing at some of the bad things that happened to me. There's an earnestness here. 
there's a belief here and there's proof here that Alcoholics Anonymous works under any circumstances. Whether she comes or she goes, you got the job or you don't. You can get sober here and you can live a different life. I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be sober. With that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.